As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at DirecTV.com. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMV, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by the sleep-deprived Ari Wasserman. Uh, Ohio State is in a bye week, so we figured we'd do a little bit of a recruiting show for you guys. But before we get into all that, Ari, I just want to check in on your on your well-being, make sure everything's going all right for you and the baby, and how much are you sleeping these last couple weeks? I forgot it was a bye week until you just said it. <laughs> There's no bye weeks when you have a newborn. I was like, I thought in my head they were playing records again. <laughs> I mean, it's close <laughs> um, to the same thing, I suppose. You know what I didn't understand before I became a father? A lot. <laughs> and like, like we, I like, I've made, yeah, I've made fun of a lot of people for like how they look like zombies and stuff. And like, you know, beforehand. And the thing that I thought was that the actual individual tasks would be hard, like changing and swaddling and all that stuff. It's like that stuff. Everything about taking care of a baby is easy. It's just the unrelenting nag on your attention. And I don't know if the word nag, nag is, is probably right. not it's, the best word to use, yeah. But no, I get, I get what like, you're saying. I'm yeah, not yeah. saying that the baby's a nag. I'm saying that you have to be you're alert 100% call. of the call, time. Yeah. Yes. And uh, it's like a pizza delivery guy. Like, you you got one after another. So <laughs> it's just like, I am think I'm good at changing and, and rocking and putting to bed and swaddling and, you know, wiping down and ointments and all the things that you need to do with a baby. What I'm not good at is waking up in the middle of the night yeah. and like 
I sleep through the alarm sometimes and like, it's like a bad thing. So like, I'm that's, that's the hardest part, but you know, just had a two week checkup and everything's going well. And, you know, hopefully we'll continue to excel as parents and, uh, listen, we're, we're Ohio state in this house. We, uh, we got off to kind of a rocky start, <laughs> but you know, we hope that we'll be uh, national title contenders when it's all said and done. So, you know, I appreciate the well-being check, but I am super excited to talk about recruiting and, you know, cause it's been a while since we've addressed this and it's just kind of like so easy. Sometimes I, I feel like with Ohio state, just like, Oh, they're good at recruiting. And it's just like, we forget to like really dive into it and uh, on the podcast because we're in the middle of the season. So I think it's good that we have this bye week to, to, you know, explore these things. And I'm very excited to see how our list match up. So why don't you just be the host and introduce the show and then we'll, we'll give our, our list. Sure. So we're going to, we're, we're trying to give like a top five top targets uh, remaining in the class of 2022. I don't think we'll talk too much about 23. Um, although, you know, that's, that, that is happening now. They're obviously recruiting that class right now too, but I think we're going to keep it focused on 22 for this episode. Uh, we'll each give our top five uh, guys remaining uncommitted prospects. We think Ohio state, uh, needs to get should get to to finish out this class the right way but there's two things i want to hit on ari before we do that um one is a little bit of news in terms of a, a player they offered uh, earlier this week but but the first thing is this uh, and i realize i'm asking you this at a time where your life has been upended and, and you're probably not as in tune with the day-to-day of the national recruiting scene as you would be otherwise but ohio state has not had a commitment since july 9th it's the last commitment mm-hmm. was george fitzpatrick offensive lineman um and I think there is probably a little bit of concern among the people who listen to this podcast about the, the pace at which this class is coming together. They have 14 commitments, and as I said, they haven't had one since July. Does that feel slow to you, or does that feel about right, given we're kind of in the throes of the season and things tend to slow down then? I feel like this is an annual conversation. And like I don't know if we've written a story about it with Ryan Day, but I remember writing a story with Urban about pace. And if pace in assembling a class is important or as long as you hit your number at the end, and I'd be very curious to know like what your take on that is. Cause like to me, if you look at the rankings, Ohio state has slipped, I think from two or no one to seven, right? While everybody else in front of them is, is racking up commitments. It's like Oregon has 21 commitments. That's 50% more than Ohio state's 14. Georgia has 17. That's three more Notre Dame, 21, 22, 26 for Penn state, Texas. And, and then Alabama has 16. So like, as you're looking at the actual class, you know, I think you have to take into account what the size of the class is going to be. But I think 14 commitments in October is fine when official visits are just ramping up now. Yeah, I think it's fine, too. I, I think in general it's fine. Um, and the one thing I always point to when we had this conversation is don't look at the total number. Let me talk about this. Look at the average. Ohio State's average of uh, sort of second, second right? yeah, behind Alabama. Um, so that I think in the end that's really all that matters. But the way these scores are calculated, it's it's not always quality it's often quantity and ohio state only has 14 compared to much of the country that has more than that uh the the thing that's weird for me with this particular cycle is there was such a build-up to last june when kid when the dead period lifted and um kids could finally go on visits and ohio state really loaded up in june I think it was like it was like 54 official visitors. I think they had in, in June. It was the most they've ever had. It was more in one month than they typically have in an entire year. I remember like writing about that when we talked with Mark Pantoni back then. And I think there was a sense that Ohio State was going to come out of that with a bunch of commitments and like have this class damn near full before like camp started. And that didn't really happen. Uh, and I think that caught me off guard. I think that caught a lot of Ohio State fans off guard. And and maybe we were wrong to expect that to begin with. But it is a little odd to me that. While there were some fireworks, for sure, they, they did get a couple of key commitments. Um, they did not 
quite fill up the way I thought they were going to in July and early August coming out of all those visits. And like, what were you expecting there? Were you expecting them to be like basically full up by this point because of that? No, I think that I would push back on that and say it's kind of crazy to think they'd be filled up because when you're when you're dealing with the caliber of prospect that Ohio State was recruiting and hosting during that month, you also have to take into account that that prospect's also visiting Alabama, mm-hmm. also visiting Clemson, also visiting Georgia, and all the places that you know would also be as attractive destinations. I think that the the reason why there were so many visitors at that time wasn't because Ohio State was doing anything special. I think it was because that was just the time where prospects were finally allowed to go out and see places. And Ohio State was um, not unique in having more visitors in that month than during an entire football season, right? Right. And if you look at the total number of commitments right now, Ohio State's in pretty good position. you know. And it's like the, the teams in front of them that have more commitments – are drastically less in quality, which is, I think, deceiving when you just look at the rankings by itself. So here's the, you want to know what, the, what I think defines Ohio State's recruiting class right now and why it's kind of tough to swallow? Like, losing Jaheim Singletary was a big loss for the sexiness of the class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having their second five-star prospect committed, another uh, high-end you know Florida kid in this class changes the entire dynamic. And then, of course, Asan McCullough. You know, we're talking about two top 60 overall players, one five-star, one high-end four-star, that, you know, were very early pieces of this class that were supposed to be the defining pieces or a few of the defining pieces of a class that was going to finish number one overall. So, to me, like, pacing is an interesting dynamic, and I think it's super interesting this year uh, even more so because – they used up officials. Like usually if it's October 13th, you know, you've got the big Michigan game coming up. You got a Penn state home game in there sometimes. And, you know, usually those are the games, but like, I don't know what the total number of prospects are going to be coming because they already have. So I guess there's two options here. One fire Ryan day and let the kids come back (laughs) Um, or two, you know, play the long game and hopefully you, uh, you can close. So, you know, there's a lot of really, really good players out there that Ohio state's very deeply involved with. So, um, to me, it's like, what are they going to get to? What what number are we guessing they're going to be at this year? Well, that's that's the other interesting part of this conversation that I and I, I think will inform at least it informed a little bit like my decisions with with or, or gave me pause I should say with, with putting together my top five list is like I don't know what the number is. They're at fourteen now. I don't think they're going to come close to twenty five. I think maybe in the end they'll have like twenty. Because the super senior stuff really complicates things. Because you can't. They could go over the eighty five this year. They cannot go over the 85, and it's not just them. Like Nobody can go over the 85 moving forward. Meanwhile, every- So you still have to be careful. People make it seem like it's a free, free pass, but it's, it's not. It's not. Well, everyone who, who was around last year during the COVID season still gets that extra year moving forward, but you don't get the relief scholarship total-wise with that after this year, so you still have to be at your 85. And there are some guys on this team right now who I think we all probably assumed wouldn't be here next year, but to this point haven't quite had those kind of seasons where it's like, you know, pretty apparent that they're going to be going off to the NFL. I'm talking about like guys like Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Teron Vincent. Um, like Tyler Friday got hurt, and he said he's coming back. Josh Proctor got hurt, and I think the anticipation is he's coming back next year. So the the math on this gets a little wonky for me. But so I I think I would say if somebody said how many they're going to sign, I think I'd say like twenty. But if it fell short of that, I wouldn't be surprised. If it was like one or two over that, I think it would make sense. But I don't think it gets anywhere near twenty five. I thought it was 22-ish. Um, and the other thing, too, is they, they they have another year 
after this to kind of figure out who's actually going to be coming back. Let me say, welcome back. Okay. Uh, and I know that's the unwritten dynamic of, of college football roster management, but that's the way it works. So, you know, you have players that are coming back who we thought were going to be going in the NFL, and hey, listen to October 13th, a player needs one month stretch of really good games to go to the pros. Yep. I mean, Trey Sermon is getting paid millions of dollars right now because of a three-game mm-hmm. stretch. Like, I, if you would have asked me what Trey Sermon's NFL stock was uh, in the middle of, what, October last year, what would we have said? Undrafted? Yeah. Or late-round pick? Yep. So, you know, I, I think that it's always very premature, too, to kind of guess who is going to leave early. And there's always those guys who fall out of the sky, too, of just like, whoa, I had no idea he was going to leave. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, the idea here is to put yourself in a position where you get the most elite level talent that you can at the positions that you need the most, which is just saying you need to breathe to, <laughs> to live. Um, and I think that, you know, they're in a position now where they can, you know, take some guys. So I, I don't know if I would hit the alarm button, especially considering the fact that, you know, if you think it's 20, you're already 75% right. there. And when you say it in those terms, it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. But, you know, it takes a lot for me to worry about Ohio State's recruiting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't – I don't know if – if it's like I'm the first person to ring the alarm if they suck on the field. But when it comes to how they're accumulating talent, like, it would take a lot for me to be like, okay, there's something wrong yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, um, back to your point you were making about Jaheim Singletary and Desam McCullough. Like, Quinn Ewers also not being in this class anymore makes you feel, makes oh, you yeah, feel differently. Yeah. About- <laughs> I didn't count him because he's on the roster, and that's all that matters. Right. But, yes. Yeah, it does. From a, from a ranking standpoint, it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, October 30th, Penn State weekend, I think is still shaping up to be a pretty big weekend visit-wise visit for Ohio State. Um, some of the guys we'll talk about here in a minute are going to be on campus. So, I think even though Ohio State did use up a lot of its official visit um, – kind of cachet there uh in june i still think they're going to get get most of the guys you want to see them get on campus for that penn state game it would certainly help if it's not a noon kickoff uh fingers crossed that it's not we don't know yet um my anticipation that is, is that it won't be but we don't know that yet uh the indiana game's a night game by the way uh quick news uh before we get to our list ari ohio state on tuesday night we're recording this on wednesday on tuesday night offered a quarterback in the class of 2022 Devin Brown from Draper, Utah, which is where Brandon Bowen is from, I believe. Uh, I think the same high school, Corner Canyon High School. Uh, he is committed. It's where Jackson Dart. Jackson went. Dart, yeah. And coincidentally, yeah. Uh, this kid, Devin Brown, is committed to USC at the moment. Uh, and people kind of swarmed for him the second that Clay Helton got fired, which I think was um, to be expected. He has not decommitted, uh, which I think is, is also interesting. But but schools are coming after him. I think like UCLA like offered him like the like five minutes after Clay Helton got hired, which is kind of funny. Um, Ole Miss is after him, and he, he was in the news a little bit with Ole Miss this week, uh, having a back and forth with a reporter who apparently uh, quoted Devin without ever talking to him, which is never a good look for uh, a reporter. I've never done that. Have you ever done that before? Uh, what's that? Make up, make make up quotes up? whole cloth. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of journalism ethics like rules, like pros and cons or things that you can't do. And it's like, I don't want to act like I've been perfect. Because, like, I know, I know people are really up in arms right now about Adam Schefter right now. I was going to say, right yeah. say, I've never like, made I've, up a quote, but I do send every story to Ryan Day for approval before it runs. No, but have you ever sent a story to a, for approval no. from people? No. <laughs> so that's like a big no-no. I did that once. I've, I did it once. I did it once because I was writing about something super sensitive and it was a feature and I wanted the family to be comfortable. 
Is that like not ethical? No, I think I I don't I don't find that unethical, and I've definitely had instances where I've been writing a, a profile in particular, where it's like you're telling someone's story, and it's not that you want them to write it for you, but maybe you you just want to make sure you you have. Um, the right context on something or you're portraying something accurately and it's not that you send them the whole thing but I think you can say to them like hey here's how I understood this here's how I'm writing it does this seem fair to you I think that's okay I don't know if this is inside baseball Bill but this I sent the Tyreek Smith story that I wrote at the Athletic to his family and like the it was one of these things of and I hope I don't get fired for this <laughs> but I actually talked about it with my editor and we came to an agreement so Basically, she said, or I think the family was uncomfortable with me writing the story after I did the reporting, and and then we used it as, I'll send you this, but we're not going to change anything from it, just to kind of ease the person's tension about a feature about their family. So, like, I think that that's a little bit different, but if I'm unethical, then I'm sorry about that. That's the only time I've ever done it, and I did it to ease the family. Yeah, that's an interesting, and I don't know if people care about this or not, (laughs) got a little off topic, I suppose, but that's an interesting um, I don't know if dilemma is the right word for it, but but I think it's a little, I think it's a little different when you're like dealing with hard news than when you're dealing with a profile of somebody. And again, it's not to say, and I think sending a story to somebody before it's published, without the intention of them like making edits to it, I think is maybe okay. I don't know. I've never done that, but I think I think I understand the idea behind it. So, but this was different. I also have made up. I've I've also made up quotes and put them in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, who hasn't? Full, full, without talking to the person too. Right, right. Thinking <laughs> that's the thing. High too. profile person like who if, definitely. Uh, if you interview somebody for forty five minutes, and you feel like that there's a money quote that you could add in there that would make things good that could have gotten lost in the transition somewhere. Like I could understand trying to pull the wool over the eyes, but like making up something that you didn't get yourself or even speak to the per- like that's a bold strategy cotton because like the person knows who they spoke to yeah especially when the like if uh, if you're gonna do something like that and like be totally reckless like make it worthwhile don't make the quote like oh yeah i enjoyed my visit said player x like no shit <laughs> it was yeah, like the, was the worst generic, quote of all time generic so, i so love like, what my is, visit quote ever what was the point of that was the point of it to feel like hey i got something and make people feel like they're getting value for their money or was it to Make it as mundane as possible so that people wouldn't notice that it was funny. probably the second one. Yeah, I would think because it's the kind of quote like it's you would never think like, oh, that seems fabricated because like there's nothing in there. Um, it also is exactly what you would want that prospect to take away from the visit if you were coach, if you were recruiting. Yes. Them. So it made me feel like the coaching staff wrote it. Uh, recruiting coverage can get a little weird. I don't know if I'd be if I'd be totally shocked by that. Anyway, yes. Ohio State offers. Yeah, there this is kid. a crazy dynamic <laughs> between team websites and recruiting coverage that doesn't exist for us. So it's a little bit different. And there's a lot of back. I mean, we could talk about that for an hour and a half, probably alone, and probably be talking mo- mostly out of our ass about it, but like just our understanding of it. There's a lot going on in the world of recruiting, guys, and it's hard to kind of grapple with. Yeah, I, well, I mean, there's a. Yeah, never mind. Well, I was just moving on. <laughs> it's a podcast. I think you should. Say, I expose myself to being fired. No, I was going to make a comparison to something, but I don't know if it was if it's actually a fair comparison. So I stopped myself. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, let's talk about Devin Brown. And Ohio State offering another class with 2022 quarterback when it already has three five-star prospects on its roster. I wrote about this. We talked about it maybe in the last episode of the episode before that about how Ohio State recruits the quarterback position more aggressively than anyone else in college football. And someone like got back to me on Twitter. It's like, how could you possibly know that? And I was like, well, I suppose I don't know that for sure, but it is my opinion that Ohio State recruits the quarterback position more aggressively than anyone in the country. And this is further evidence of that. Because I'm not so sure they need a quarterback. What do you, in this class. <laughs> what do you, th- what do you think a person responding that way is like? Their outlet is. I don't know. Like what? I don't understand this. Okay, I'm sorry. I just like what do you? What is that person getting at? Yeah, I don't know. I had a snarky back and forth with them. I felt good. I, I, uh, I, I, I vent my frustration through snark, so it was great. That's pretty awesome because you, I have been Mister Cool, Calm, and Collected on Twitter for like over a year. You have been. You've really turned a corner in that way. Fatherhood has changed you. Are, are you are you fatherhood? <laughs> I mean, I, I turned that over during COVID. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm proud of you. I'm, people they say people don't change. I think you are a testament to the to the opposite of that. People can change. It's people helping people, people helping people. Um, you should. I, I I I've actually uh, interrupted you, but you're going to make a good point because uh, I'm not sure that they need a quarterback. Either. Yeah. What like. I guess the anticipation is like two of these guys are going to leave, but then you still have two. I, I just don't. I think you need three. I, that's why. I yeah, I guess that. you need. I guess you need three. And I always live in fear of like if you get a kid now, does it impede your ability to get a kid in twenty three and twenty four? But I guess you can't really live in that world because then you'll never take anybody. Also, everybody is going to transfer before then anyway. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, if you get a kid now, then in 2023, they're going to have too many players on the roster. That's assuming that none of the ones that commit in 22 don't leave. Right. You know how quickly this, this stuff changes. I think you should take – listen, I wrote a column back in the day when we when we were covering Urban about how – and I kind of feel bad about it, but I felt like Ohio State was wasting scholarships on quarterbacks that were never going to play. Because mm-hmm. they had four, right? Urban always wanted four. That was the in the fourth. Yeah. They have, I mean, they the have four fourth, now. No, but Urban always had to have four, and even if it meant having a fourth one that was never good enough to mm-hmm. play, like they would take a, use a scholarship to take a fourth string quarterback. That if it got to that point, Jalen Marshall was going to play, right? You know, and like Stephen Collier is who we wrote about at the time, and was a very good program guy, and I'm assuming it was a, a very good asset to the locker room and to have somebody in there. But I've never understood in, in a place where every single scholarship is a premium why you would ever use one as an expendable resource. So, and like, I don't know, do you think leadership in the locker room is ever worthy of a scholarship? Um, 
Yeah, I, I think I think it could be. Yeah, when you have eighty five, yeah, I think it could be. I just remember right the first week when Urban took the job. I remember him getting up at the podium. It was like the second or third news conference that he ever had at Ohio State, and he was lamenting. I think Ohio State had a three scholarship penalty. Do you remember that? Like after the the Tatgate yeah. stuff yeah. when he first came in, I think it was a three scholarship penalty. And he was freaking out about the three scholarships. I'm like, dude, you've got 85. It's not that big of a deal. And he was like going on and on and on about how important having those three scholarships were. And then on the same token, you're awarding a scholarship or offering a scholarship to a fourth string quarterback for the sake of saying that you have four. When in actuality, if you get to your fourth string quarterback in any given year, you're going to blow it anyway. And in the national championship year, when Ohio State won it with their third string quarterback, Stephen Collier was on the roster, and if he would have gotten injured, Jalen Marshall would have been the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why does that person have a scholarship? And it's like nothing against Stephen Collier. It's just a matter of whether or not it makes sense from a roster-building standpoint to do it that way. So I think right now, being in two, I guess, would be the danger zone. And I think if you assume that two leave, then you have to have another one. Yeah. So what I what I don't think Ohio State should do is go hire or go offer a three star prospect that isn't otherwise good enough to play, because you got to have a four year albatross around your neck at a scholarship position that you don't need. But if it means like signing Devin Brown, who's what a top hundred player out of Utah, committed yeah. to USC, like I don't think I would ever not. I actually like we're gonna. So what we're doing today, and I don't mean to steal your thunder here, is we're gonna give our top five players on Ohio State's board mm-hmm. if it were up to us. Devin Brown is in my top five, and that's also knowing that I'm not sure that they need him because anytime you have a line out to a top 100 quarterback, even if it's a 10 percent chance that they just offered him. Who knows if they're even in the ball game there? But you take every single top 100 quarterback you can take, regardless of class, regardless of situation, unless you already have four. And I don't think you'll ever have a recruiting class where you know for sure the following year that you're going to have four. Yeah, but I, and I think that that is in line with Ryan Day's ethos here when he's recruiting this position. And it's what he said to me when I talked to him about it. He's like, you just you just don't know for certain that you have the right guy every year. I think. I think you trust your instinct and you trust your evaluation, but you you know you could be wrong on a guy, or a guy just can't pan out for whatever reason, or, or something happens where that guy just never becomes just starting injuries quarterback. Injuries happen, happen. like anything. Can yeah, happen. so I'm, yeah. I'm I'm on board with the idea. Like if you have the opportunity to bring in a quarterback that's that's this talented on paper coming out of high school, I think you take them and then worry about the after effects if there are any down the road. I don't I don't think that can cloud your judgment, and and I think my thinking on that has changed. Um, over the last couple of years, and, and probably just from covering Ryan Day, maybe maybe if I covered another team, I wouldn't think that way. But I, I've kind of seen it in application here. I think it can work. So um, it's not surprising to me, I guess, to see him offer to Evan Brown. I, I figured they took a swing of Drew Aller, and who I, I really like, and which we talked about before. I, I just don't think anything's going to happen there unless something happens at Penn State, which is certainly possible. Like if James Franklin goes to USC or Mike Yersich takes a job somewhere else because he's had like five jobs in three years. Uh, I could see Drew Aller maybe backing off that Penn State commitment a little bit. Um, but unless that happens, I just don't think the doors are really open for Ohio State. And I think Ohio State knows that, which is why they went out and, and offered Devin Brown. So it's interesting. Um, I don't think people might look – They're also not handing them out like Halloween candy. No, that's the other thing about Ryan. Like they're only they're only going for the yeah, – go like Ryan Day and, and Brian Hartline, I think, both both do this. It's like they don't offer a kid unless they know for sure they're going to take him. 
like a quarterback and receiver. And I don't know. I think Ohio State does that a little more in general the last couple of years. Where and like before, I think maybe they had like you know there were years where they had like two hundred something offers out there. Um, like the idea of committable, non-committable. I, I'm not sure Ohio State has a bunch of non-committable offers out there or has them has had them out there under Ryan Day. But I think that's especially true at quarterback and receiver, and and probably mostly at, at quarterback. Like they don't, they're very selective with who they offer, and they only offer guys seemingly who are like in the top 150. They don't throw out those offers to the three star guys that you're talking about, at least that I can remember going going back the last couple of years. Um, so when they do this, they're serious about it, and like they would they will take Devin Brown if they're if they've decided to offer him now, it means they will take him. Yeah, but I don't think that's the thing. The thing is that they're not offering because, like in the past, they would offer a three-star quarterback with every intention of taking him. They're not offering anybody that isn't really good. Right, that's what I mean. Like yeah. that's the distinction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like you, you you put yourself in a position where you don't take anybody unless they are a starting quarterback at a Power Five level. It's like Kenny Guyton would never be on Ohio State's roster right now if the the way that they're recruiting the position. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, the Ohio State took Kenny Guyton, but I don't know they ever had any designs whatsoever of him playing. Yeah. The, like, the fact that it turned out that way was a nice story, but that's not the, that wasn't the point. The only exception to that, I, I suppose, under Ryan Day thus far, has been taking Gunnar Hoke um, as a transfer from Kentucky. But they had, like, that was a, had like nobody in the, <laughs> the quarterback room. Yeah, that was, but that was, like, a, that was an in-season Band-Aid. Yeah, that was like they got Justin Fields and they like they needed a backup quarterback because they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't have another Not, one. Yeah, yeah, and I understand that. The, I don't. I wouldn't even consider that an exception. I would say that is a necessary move to have enough bodies in your in your quarterback room for an individual. Season. Yeah, and I, was Hoke there two years or one? Two years. Year? He came in twenty nineteen. He was there. Yeah. the last two years. So I guess it's kind of an exception because he's taken up a scholarship for multiple years. He yeah he did, but I also understand the 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 motivation there that particular year. Like their quarterback room blew up. Um, I mean, do you think it's going to blow up again? No, I think I think they'll always have at least two guys you feel good about. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense to transfer for the backup. I agree, a hundred percent. I think I said that before. Like, I, 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 I get if you are a backup now and you want to transfer in January, I get that. Um, but transferring during the season when you're the number two guy at Ohio State makes no sense to me because you can become the number one guy you know, any myriad of ways and who knows what can happen after that, after that happens. So it's like already happened this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen it happen here in the past too. So, um, no, I think, I don't think, wait, did you know that Ohio state won the national championship with its third string quarter, third string quarterback in 14? What? Did you know that? I didn't know that someone, I should write a book about that. I like, uh, I like how, uh, that has become the universal excuse for always being like the best thing that ever happened to Ohio state history was that they won a national championship in 2014 with a third string quarterback. The worst thing that ever happened to Ohio state and Ohio state is that they won it with a third string quarterback is now every single time somebody sucks or somebody gets injured. That's the example that's used yeah. for the next man yeah. up. I don't, uh, um, I don't think that's going to happen again, but it's because it happened once. Yeah. You can hang your hat on that. I will say that I watched, so the best thing that I've ever done in my life, I have convinced Britt, and I think it's true that our baby is soothed by the sound of football mu- being played in the background. Good job out of you. Nice. Because in the first few days that the baby was alive, all we did was watch football in the hospital room. And then ever since then, when we got home, if the sound of football is on a TV, she falls asleep. So like we got to the point now where it's not just put it on when it's on. It's like now we're watching YouTube videos of old games to soothe her. 
which is great. <laughs> um, and I'm a con man, but it's great. And I put on the 2015 uh, Alabama game, uh, or the 2014 title run, 2015 technically Alabama Sugar Bowl game that we were at. And I, I don't think I've watched it again since we went since we were there in person. And to be completely honest, when we were there in person, we were down at the stadium. I missed 85 yards to the heart of the South. Like I was in the concourse of the, yeah, of the was, stadium. Yeah, so was that, that happened. Yeah. Were we together? Yep. And it was just like we heard them. <laughs> it's like the most iconic play in Ohio State history. And we're on a freaking elevator. <laughs> fucking elevator. <laughs> it's like you covered the team for 10 years and you ask people for 10 years during the Urban Meyer era, what is the most iconic play that happened in the entire time? What do you think people would that, say? That? Yeah, no doubt that. Yeah. Absolutely. And is that crazy? Because I would think that the more important play was the play before halftime from Evan Spencer, the, the reverse pass. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably more, more important to their winning. Yes. Now, I don't know. 85 yards or the heart of the South was the, the, the knockout punch, but cause it was a one score like, game, right? When Zeke did that. Couldn't have had a lot of yeah, ball back. Yeah. It made it a two score yeah. game with like four minutes left, right. I think. Um, but I watched that game the other day, just out of my own entertainment, trying to get my daughter to fall asleep. And I cannot remember. I cannot believe Ohio state won that football game. They got their ass kicked the entire first half into like the last five minutes of the first yeah. half. And then they kicked like anybody watching that game, like there's no way Ohio State's winning. And then all of a sudden it's just like tidal wave the other way. What a what a season that was. And we were in the elevator. So we were in the elevator. Yes. Yeah. And we didn't even get to see the, like yeah. sometimes but back then at Cleveland.com, like we were we had, we had to have stories up immediately like, as soon as the game ended. So like not only were we in the elevator for Zeke's run, but like we weren't on the field until like well after the celebration had started. Like I, we didn't see uh, Tyvis Powell's game ceiling. No, that's not what happened. I was, I was in the room finishing writing my story. I don't know where you we were. We went down the elevator. We went down the elevator, and there was a there was like an auxiliary. Room yeah, I was in there watching it on that TV. Was on the on the field, and we watched the game on TV. Right, and that's what I mean. Like we weren't there. like typically yeah, yeah. other writers were on the field watching it with their own eyeballs because we get the privilege of being on the field at the end of the games with our credentials. Um, but we didn't get to enjoy that as Ohio state beat Alabama. No, we were, we were working. I had my head buried yeah. in a computer. And then, I, yeah. and then I wrote the definitive Ezekiel Elliott feature that night. Remember? Was that meet me when he was coming by on the car? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah That's good. Uh, yeah. And now, uh, oh man, time, time has really flown by. I don't like going back and watch. Uh, I, I watched one of our YouTube videos. Uh, we did after that game, like maybe like six months ago. And I was probably 50 pounds lighter than I am right now. So I don't like watching them. Hey, the good news about that bill is that you can be 50 pounds lighter. If you want, that's to. true. That's true. If you really, really wanted to, you could go back in time, but, uh, man, that was fun. What were we talking about? Devin Brown. What were we talking Devin about? Brown got offered by Devin Ohio Br- State, but we can move on. But what? But what we, why did we get onto the topic of the fifteen game? Because Ohio State won a national title with third string quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah. So if their third string quarterback is Devin Brown, I bet they could do it again. Yeah, right. So it'll be very interesting to see too of just like how selective they are moving forward on that. Though. Yeah, it's like if Devin Brown comes out and is like, "I'm going to USC," or he visited Ole Miss, right? Mm-hmm. So. This is how we got on the topic of fabrication. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I don't know this guy, but the explanation that he gave too was complete craziness. Yeah. He said, I had a stringer, but I took it down immediately. Well, if you had a stringer, then why would you take it right. down? It's a quote. Okay. I don't know if people even know what we're talking about, but like, it makes no sense. Okay. It, uh, but it'll be very interesting to see if they, 
if they offer others? Like how often this will be? I, th- that's what I'm kind of wondering too, because I don't like I said I don't think they're going to get Drew Aller. We'll see on Devin Brown, but I don't know if Devin Brown will want to walk into this situation and you know, you know, it's his prerogative if he doesn't want to. If they don't get either of those guys and they still feel like they need a quarterback, what they do after that? Well, do you think Ohio? St- how confident are you that Ohio State could? get a top 100 player at that position in this class um like do you think it's even possible that they do well no because most of them are already off the board like i don't i don't think they're in a position to really flip anybody unless there's a coaching change which would apply to Devin brown i suppose Uh, but otherwise no i think i think the chances of them landing a top flight quarterback in this class are pretty low yeah i don't even know who i mean Devin brown is a perfect example of somebody who might be you know available but i think he's your best shot but I still don't think they have a great shot at, at, at getting him. We'll see. I mean, maybe we'll yeah. see if he comes to, to a game. You know, it's like you never know. Like a guy like Walker Howard, who's the number one quarterback in the class now, is committed to LSU. I mean, he's from Louisiana, so maybe it doesn't matter who the coach is there. But you know, there's. Uh, Are you saying that Ohio State Ohio State was going to have the number one quarterback in 2022? Then he reclassified to 2021, so they're going to get the new number one quarterback in 2022. I'm just saying, like, there are scenarios. I mean, where, yeah, I mean, LSU is probably going to change head coaches, right? So, yeah. Um, I'm trying to look right now. Landis, guess the highest rated quarterback in the 2022 class that's still available. Like his national ranking? No, just like his, the number, like the, the ranking at quarterback. Uh, 17. 22. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, uh, prospect named justin martin from inglewood california who's uh heavily crystal ball to ucla and then the next one is 35 so like 33 of the top 35 players in the quarterback position have already committed mm-hmm. so it's a, it's just like a it's like a it's a tough thing to do um but yeah I, it's not a necessity but i do think that it's a luxury and if they found that there was a spot there where it's like, hey, we can take a shot at this guy. If we get him, great. If we don't, then whatever. Then that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking him back off my list because it's not important. It's not. I don't think it's super important, but I find it very interesting. And I think, oh, and you know, the way that Ohio State recruits that position is fascinating. And I'm glad they do it that way. Well, it's not about whether or not they get him. It's it's just a, another bullet point on the um, example sheet of how they recruit the position, which I think is interesting. Yeah, so, and that guy who clapped back at me at Twitter. And go shove it, because I was right. Hope you listen to the podcast. Thank you. Please leave a five-star review. The Well Actually crowd on Twitter are just like, does that make your day better? It's like, the thing about, like, me, and I don't know if it's because I'm a reporter or not, but, like, I follow other reporters on on Twitter that don't cover sports. Like, I'll follow, like, a stock guy, or I'll follow national news. And I've never felt compelled to be like, well, actually, you're an asshole. Like, what do you, like, what do you get from that? Yeah, I don't know. I also feel like there's a lot of people on the athletic or just in general that like read stories with the exact purpose of trying to find something wrong with your story. Yeah, there are people like, like people that. are just like dying to go into the comments section and be like, "Well, actually, this isn't," and it's just like, "Dude, we like I know what 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 I'm writing. You know what I mean? Like there might be a typo or something, but I don't need editing from somebody who." It's just eager to tell me I'm a jackass. It's just annoying. Yeah. And like sometimes there's been people who have emailed me like very nicely saying, hey, I read this in your story. I'm not sure if it's 100% accurate. This is how I understand it. What do you think of this? And like that, to me, I'm more perceptive too. But like trying to like dunk on me, it just doesn't, it doesn't land. It just makes me feel like you're an asshole. You've actually been dunked on before? 
I get dunked on all the time. No. Every single time I have a mistake. No, no, no. Like actually, oh, in real on. life. Yeah. No, but one time uh, you backed me up under the hoop and rolled your ankle. <laughs> yeah, that's a story of my life. One time when I was playing intramural basketball, or no, I was playing at, playing pickup basketball at the intramural building at Penn State, and I don't know, like 2008 probably, or 2007 maybe. And I was playing against Anthony Morelli, the quarterback at Penn State, and he's a big ass dude and like a really good athlete. Uh, he tried to dunk on me. And I caught him in the air. <laughs> like, what? Like, you didn't let him fall? I didn't let him finish the dunk. Like, I fouled the shit out of him. <laughs> and, like, caught him in the air. And, like, pushed him away from the basket because I wasn't going to get humiliated in that way. I think I probably still got humiliated because a grown man basically jumped over me. But uh, didn't let him finish the dunk. You are not the person I would attempt to dunk over. Uh, also, if you would have let him fall to the ground and he would have hurt himself, would you have been, like, public enemy number one? At the time, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway all right let's get to our list bill we're at 37 minutes and i don't have a lot of time okay so. top five remaining targets in ohio state's class they have 14 commitments uh let's uh let's do a start a five start a five and work way up to one yeah yeah let's and actually like let's see if we can figure out a way to stay on the same page with whenever we come up with these rules we always do it differently okay so yeah we'll go from five to one and we'll go every other so why don't you go okay first? number five for me is cam dewberry uh, offensive tackle from Texas, number 108 overall prospect in the country. Uh, I don't feel particularly good about it, but, but they, they only have two offensive linemen in this class, and I just feel like they can't finish this cycle only taking two. But on the, like at the same time, there's not really anybody I feel good about them getting of, among their remaining targets. So like I, I have them on here as a way to say, like please recruit an offensive tackle, but I don't know how it's going to work out for them because – and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier – like. Coming out of June, like I thought Cam Dewberry was going to commit to Ohio State, and he didn't. Um, I kind of thought Ernest Green from California was going to commit to Ohio State, and he didn't. And those guys are still on the board, but the fact that they're not committed yet like makes me think Ohio State's not going to get them in the end. And if they don't get those two, I don't know what they're going to do on offensive line. It's not that – and like Tegger Shabola and, and George Fitzpatrick I, I like. Um, but again, like if we're just like in another cycle here where they're not – doesn't don't seem to be hitting the number on offensive line and don't seem to be bringing in the caliber of player I think you expect Ohio State to bring in on the offensive line and I just don't know how much longer that can continue but you know we're talking well, about it again I got a few points for you one remember after the national championship game when we went back uh road trip style yep. in 2014 we stopped off in Houston and we wrote a long profile I think I don't remember if I wrote it or you wrote it but one of us wrote a long profile about how Ohio State doesn't bother recruiting the city of Houston that was you yeah <laughs> And it's because it's an SEC country, and it's just not a very Ohio State-friendly place, just in terms of advantageous. It's like, the emergence of Texas A&M now, this might be a good story for you, of, you know, I know, and I know they got uh, Donovan Jackson out of Houston last year, but I think, like, A&M is dominating the Houston area right now, and I'm wondering if that cycle or that window where Ohio State can just waltz back into Houston like they ever recruited it before is probably going to come to an yeah, end. Yeah, that's a good point. So, like, when I was when I was picking, and, I, you know, you never know, but, like, if Houston is getting those guys, Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC now, it's like, I don't think Houston is going to be a very particularly friendly area. And I picked Ernest Green, and the reason for that is because he's in California, and Ohio State has had very much... Uh, long history of success in that area. And it's just like, you might not have picked green because he's an interior offensive line, mm -hmm. but like, I have a hard time projecting sometimes like the guy is six, five, 330 pounds. So it's like, is there no way that he can ever play tackle if they got no, I him? I think he could. I think he could. 
So, like, you know, you're talking about Georgia, Texas, Alabama, Ohio State, and USC. I have him on my list for the same reasons that you do. I just want Stud to go out there and win that job. I just, like, go win that battle. I don't even care where they – they can put him at safety for all I care. Just go win an offensive lineman battle against Georgia, Texas, Alabama, and USC out of California. Yeah, and, and Bosco, which is a place where you've won before, um, and they recruit pretty well there. So, um, yeah. I, it's hard but reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. right. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. Number four for me is... Or we can do Snake. Whatever no, I'll you go. Go. I'll go first. Uh, Xavier Nwankpa, safety from Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, number forty-five. That's my number nice. four. Number forty-five prospect in the class. I really like. Like, I th- they still need. I think another secondary piece. I, I do kind of like what they have in this class, but I think they need at least one more. I know they're after two. They're after Xavier Nwampa and Zion Branch, and I think there's room to take both of them because they can do some different stuff. Um, but I like Xavier's um, versatility quite a bit, and I also think that he is kind of the perfect prospect to do what Ronnie Hickman is doing for Ohio State right now, if that's the vision they have for that position moving forward. Did he just get a crystal ball to Iowa? Yeah, I think I think there's a sense that Iowa's got some juice. Obviously, they're they're close to him. Um, this is the first top 100 player in Iowa since like 2003 or something. Yeah. Since like, I looked up the si- stat and I sent it to si- you, it was either top 50 or top 100. I think he's the. F- I, th- I think it was top 50, and it was like basically going yeah. back to when they started keeping track of these things, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was the first. He's the top first top 50 player out of Iowa since like 03. Yeah, it's a, and it's like also if you're Kirk Ferentz, I don't know how long you're going for, but like if you have any design of being in that position long term, it's like that is exactly the type of commitment that you absolutely have to have at Iowa to ever be competitive in the Big Ten uh, championship wise. It's like if you can't do it in a year where you just beat Penn State at home and like are undefeated and ranked in the top five, then you're what are we doing? You know, and it's like, I know Iowa builds differently and they're a different program, but it's like every now and then, like once out of every 20 years, they've got a five-star prospect fall out of the sky and land in Altoona, Iowa. And it's just like, okay, this is your opportunity to add the type of talent that Ohio State has. So when you play them in the Big Ten Championship game, you're more equipped to win. Yeah, and I, and I think they've done a good job with him. Notre Dame is, is in that mix, too, and as it seemingly is on every player Ohio State was, is trying to get in 2022 and 2023. Um, and I think there was a sense not that long ago that, like, Xavier was going to come to Ohio State. I think they probably still have a really good shot of, at getting him, but it does seem like Iowa and Notre Dame are making it interesting. I wonder if he'll be at the game in Indy. <laughs> the Big Ten Championship? No, the other game, yeah. When Iowa plays who? Penn State oh, again. Oh, rematch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. Who's number three on your list? We'll go to you first. Uh, five-star defensive lineman Shamar Stewart. Oh, look at that. We have the same guy. You do? 
when I, I sent Bill my list of edit before we did it, like, were you like, God damn it, this is the same thing? Uh, no, I think our top, or <laughs> our number two is different, our number one's the same. You know how we give Stud a bunch of crap about how he never gets the top five players out of other states at the tackle position? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this really quietly because everybody loves Larry Johnson, but I'm not sure he's done that either recently. JT Toimolo Wow. <laughs> and a guy named Chase Young. <laughs> No, no, I, no, no! I know Chase Young was more regional, and Tui Malau just happened. But Shamar Stewart's like an edge, right? Like that's what I'm. My viewpoint of it is just like that Joey Bosa type edge rusher from the south. From the south, that's national and being recruited by everybody. Opelika, and, Florida. Like, listen, listen. JT Tui Malau is probably going to be a first round draft pick one day, and he's from Seattle. I'm not saying that Larry Johnson isn't one of the greatest coaches in the country. Like, it's obvious. But Ohio State has a general history of having a menace at the defensive end position. And even though I believe that they're very good this year, they don't have that menace yet. And maybe Jack Sawyer will be that person. Uh, he obviously is from Ohio. I'd love to go see them get a stud, six foot five, 270 pound edge rusher out of southern Florida, South Florida, and just have him come up here and wreck offenses for three years before being a first, first five pick. Yep. Like is that, that's different than than JT? I think. Uh, I think the, I, I think there is something different about pulling a guy like that out of the South in a in a really competitive recruitment than maybe pulling a guy from Seattle. But JT's recruitment was obviously very weird and very competitive in its own right. And I give Larry Johnson a ton of credit for winning that. So I think I would push. I just don't understand push back a little bit on why it's, that comparison to Stud. Yeah, but I kind of I kind of get what you're saying, and and I think that Shamar Stewart would would fit the bill you're describing. I just think that for Larry Johnson's reputation and the the resume that he has for not only developing players but also having them be awesome in college and then into the pros, that it would be easier than it seems to be to get these five-star defensive ends from out of town. Yeah, I think that's true across the board on defensive line, and it's part of what makes Larry Larry is that he doesn't always get those guys, but when they come out the other end of the program, they often look that way. And that's why he gets credit for being the best developer of defensive lineman in the country, and it's well-earned. Um, I have Stuart third as well. I think I'd have him higher if JT and Jack Sawyer – by the way, JT, I think, wants us to stop calling him JT and wants us to call him by his first name, which is Jalen. Jalen Tuimolowell. Um Those guys are on the roster. I, I feel like it's less imperative to get a guy like Shamar Stuart. doesn't want to be in JT Barrett's their show. No, I think he's mad that people call him JTT when like the JT is Jalen Tuimolowell. So it's like you're calling him Jalen Tuimolowell Tuimolowell. Why do people call him JTT? Because uh, we're lazy. I think that's it. No, I know, but did people think that JT was an abbreviation that that wasn't his last name? Uh, no. Did people think his middle name started with a T? I think some people might have thought his like first name was JT. And his first name is Jalen. Yeah, I thought it was possible that his middle name started with a T. Jalen Theodore Tuimolowell. People called him J. I mean, I every single story that I've written about him was JT Tuimolowell. Yeah, I think you can call. Makes I think no you sense. can call him JT or call him Jalen Tuimolowell. Jalen Tuimolowell. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna call him probably both those and not remember what I just. I'm just gonna call him JT. Um, there are other guys who fit this bill besides Shamar Stewart. If I can do a shameless plug, Eni White. From Philadelphia, who I wrote a profile on. You should have put him on your list because of yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I think Shamar Stewart's better. That's why I put him on here. Shamar Stewart came here. Oh, Shamar Stewart came here in June for a workout, and I was not there. 
But like people who cover Ohio State recruiting, who I really respect, were like, "Holy shit, this is the best workout I've ever seen from anybody. This kid is unreal." So like, I'll trust that and put Shamar Stewart on the list ahead of Eni White. But I like Eni White a lot. And Ohio State's got some sneaky, uh, sneaky good momentum here. It seems like too. Yes, right? I think they have a legitimate shot at getting him. I think they have a shot at getting Eni White too. Like I, I went and visited with him before the Rutgers game, and it's like it's Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Texas A and M. Um, Oregon, and he did take an official visit to Florida. And I think everybody but Ohio State is recruiting him as like a 3-4 outside linebacker, and Ohio State is recruiting him as a 4-3 rush end, obviously, because that's what they play. And that's what he plays in high school, that Imhotep charter. So I think that actually helps Ohio State kind of being the outlier there positionally. Um, but anyway, I wrote a story about him. Go to theathletic.com slash 4-6. You can read about Eni White and a very interesting high school program in North Philadelphia called Imhotep Charter that's had like 20-something FBS prospects in like the last six years and has become a, b- a little bit of a national powerhouse um so they have an interesting story okay number two my yeah. zion branch yeah uh vegas gorman powerhouse high school program more talent in the secondary somebody that ohio state seems to be in pretty good position with i think it's enough set on that one my number two is hero canoe defensive tackle from uh california by way of germany um I really think they need to get some studs at defensive tackle in this class. They have no defensive lineman committed at the moment. I think in the end they'll be okay because I think they're well positioned with Hero Canoe and the guy we'll, we'll each talk about at number one. Um, Hero Canoe was the guy I was most impressed with this summer, just like super powerful, really quick off the ball. 6'5", 293, like a huge kid with a ton of upside. I think he's already a top 100 prospect, and, and I think he, he looked at me like a kid who should be a five-star. He's not yet, but I think he has that kind of potential. And, you know, outside of Tyleek Williams on this current roster, I don't know that I love what they have at defensive tackle. I think they got some some good players. I don't know if they have any guys who can be, like, great kind of game wreckers at that position, and I think Hero Canoe has that kind of upside. So I have him at number two, and uh, we both have a defensive tackle at number one. Is it the same yeah. one? All right, just I'm tired. I'm, I'm sleep deprived. Just, just, just Caden Curry, play us out. Caden Curry, number sixty nine <laughs> overall prospect, nice out of uh, Greenwood, Indiana. I think he's like he's nice. like an inside outside guy, which which is why I have him first. Um, again, just big in and out guy, big over in here. and out guy. Uh, he's been. I think top of the board for them for a really long time. So part of this is like, you've been on this guy so long, like you better get him. Um, but the other part of it is too, I just think like he can do a lot for them positionally with, with some versatility and he's just a menace. Like he's, he's got a, a motor that I think is really hard um, to come across in addition to being supremely talented. So I think he's the kind of guy that you bring in and he's a, an impact player kind of from the jump and he's here for three years and then he goes off um, to the NFL. Uh, I think that highly of him, even though he's only the, 69 number 69 prospect and not like a top 15 prospect but i think um i've done this exercise a couple times with top targets and i think Caden Curry has been one or like near number one for a long time okay so when i sent you my list you're like good job ari yeah yeah i thought um i think the only yeah the only guy that i didn't have that you had was zion branch and the only guy that i had that you didn't have was hero canoe so i think we're on the same page are defensive linemen allowed to have the number 30 on their jersey yeah, Jack Sawyer's number 33. Okay, I just thought that, like, if Caden Curry comes and is an interior defensive lineman and he hit the Curry 30 there, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, that'd cool. be nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, any good food meals lately before we get out of here? Uh, I mean, food I meals. I see the picture of that pie so, I had, right, from uh, from Gallows. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good pizza up, up on Buffalo Dude, Road. Dude, Gallows has good food. Really good food. Yeah. You know, I never went you know to. Like, that's on one the, regret when I lived Austin there. Ward from Letterman Row put me on the Gallows. Yeah. yeah. 
And you can pop in a Micro Center, too, to see if they got any That's cool right. video games every yeah, now and then. Buy a TV, and you can go to, there's a barber shop there where you can get, like, a $95 haircut, too. I went there one time. That was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, if uh, anybody from Gallows is listening, you owe me 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, have you ever heard of a meal train? Yeah. So, we have a meal train right now. And, like, the thing with Britt is that she's got more friends than I even know what to do with, and I can't even remember half of them sometimes. Every single day we get a text message from somebody that says, what do you guys want for dinner tonight? And then that person brings us that food. Do you just say Whataburger? It's, <laughs> well, unfortunately, that wouldn't fly in this house. Uh, but it's been pretty great. What's the best thing you've had so far? Somebody, so there's this place called Zoe's Kitchen in Dallas. And I think it's a chain and they probably have them like in other states. So I don't think it's like, it wasn't, but somebody ordered us like a Mediterranean feast Ooh, a little shawarma. and it was like they and they dropped it off at like three o'clock which was like four hours before there was enough pita to put a cow down in there <laughs> tahini sauce a bunch of hummus falafel um chicken shrimp and steak skewers um some noodle dish that was like in mayonnaise it was like pasta salad um rice and like desserts and it was like enough to feed a family of five and I thought that was just amazing. That sounds great. Because like I, I wasn't anticipating that it was coming. And not only did I didn't know it was coming, the person didn't ask us what we wanted, which means Britt couldn't have vetoed the shit that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of took it upon themselves, and that means there was a ton of pita and like bread and stuff. And like instead of just like, well, you should modify that to wrap it in lettuce, it was just like everything that came was just like on the horse fat guy yeah. stuff. And it was just incredible. Yeah. And it was like it was just a, a meal when I needed it. That sounds great. I think uh, once uh, once you guys get past the uh, the part of having a baby where you don't sleep at all and you can do things again, you guys should come to Columbus and we'll go to Pita Hut. Yeah, Pita Hut's good. Pita Hut is good. I had Pita Hut. What's Pita Hut? Pita Hut is the one up on up like is the one up on High Street, High Street like up Clintonville, in Clintonville. Yeah. That place rips. Yeah, it's really good. I think I was actually talking about that with yeah, Leah you were one yeah, time. and we ordered it. Yeah, yeah. we ordered it. Um, I don't know, probably a few months ago. It was really good. And you enjoyed yeah. it? Uh, also, I like Pita Pit. Pita Pit's also good. I had a buddy who worked at Pita Pit when I was in college. He used to bring free stuff home all the time. It was my my, my oh, roommate man. used to bring free stuff home all the time. It was great. When I was in college, I used to work at a hat stand uh, called Hat Club. It's like Lids. Mm-hmm. And I used to buy hats with my like with my credit card at like a discounted rate. And then I would trade them with the person that worked at the pretzel stand. Who I would give them one hat like a month, and then they would just give me all their pretzels every single day after they were done. Sorry, I wasn't listening to you because I just saw some crazy shit on Twitter. <laughs> what? <laughs> Apparently, uh, Oklahoma canceled interviews uh, because a reporter from the Ohio the OU student newspaper used binoculars <laughs> from a public. This is from Reddit CFP. A reporter from the OU student newspaper used binoculars from a public building to report that Kayla Williams was doing practice with the first team, got quotes from Spencer Rattler's dad, and then Lincoln Riley has canceled media availability. <laughs> so that kid's stud. Yeah. Good job by that reporter. What were the quotes? Yeah. <laughs> Kersey, step up, man. <laughs> yeah, he's probably pissed. No. Remember that one time when we were covering Ohio State? Uh during the quarterback battle of 15 where we would stand park didn't we stand i was i was in the, in the parking, parking lot at the faucet, faucet center, center with a bunch of psychopaths looking look with binoculars across the road looking through the trees and then the tarp that's like in front of the, and the gate. tarp like that was over the glass or the chain like, link fence what are you trying to do even if you found out like what are you gonna do right. with it it's like what are we doing here 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for that kid. Wasn't particularly informative, yeah. But, you know, we have to try, I suppose. But yeah, good for that kid anyway. So we got a we got an up and coming journalist on this podcast. It's going to be a star one day. Especially cuz the quotes from the dad thing was yeah. awesome. Great job. And then we have somebody who made up quotes. That's right. <laughs> and that's the and then that's this week. That, yeah. Welcome to and and also Adam Schefter is uh emailing sources asking him if they approve his story. So, it's great. Mr. Great Editor. week for journalism. I'm sure I'm sure sports writers across Twitter will handle it all very uh mild-mannered lead and did you know a lot of us went to Medill? What Medill? As a Medill grad, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap okay. this thing up. Thanks for listening to Four to Six with A and B. Uh, hope you liked that dive into recruiting. We'll try to bring more recruiting into the show moving forward because we know it's important. You guys like talking about it. You're hearing about it, so we'll try to keep that in mind moving forward. Ohio State office weekend back at it in uh, on October 23rd at Indiana night game in Bloomington. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have two shows next week or not. I need to figure that out, and maybe we will. I can't promise you that. But we will talk to you at least one more time before Ohio State plays Indiana. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys then. (laughs) 